All right, we will get started. Hello, everyone. I'm Jalendra Singh, Healthcare Technology and Distribution Analyst at KSC. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Next up, we have Teladoc Health. From the company, we have Jason Gorvik, CEO, Mala Murthy, CFO, and Patrick Philly, VP of IR. We are going to do this as a fireside chat. I have some prepared questions which I plan to cover. We will then open the line for Q&A, and if you want to, uh, me to ask questions on your behalf, please email them to me at jalendra.singh.credit-suisse.com. Thanks, uh, Jason, Mala, and Patrick for doing this. Really appreciate that. And uh, I saw the guidance update last, last night for uh, Livango deal, so making it completely formal. The deal is closed now. That's good. Congratulations on that. Maybe um, if you can begin with the sharing some thoughts around key surprises, either positive or negative you've experienced since the deal announcement, either from perspective of, of existing customer feedback or potential customers, you know, employee feedback, just share, share some thoughts around the, you know, feedback you got uh, since the deal announcement on, on Livango. Yeah, Joe Andrew, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Uh, it's good to see you and wish we could be in person, but we'll, we'll make the best of it. Uh, we're very, very excited uh, by the market reaction. Uh, it's probably even stronger than I had expected. Um, you know, clients immediately saw the uh, logic of bringing together the two organizations to be able to get a true end-to-end -end virtual care solution uh, that's there for uh, all of their consumers, all of their members, regardless of what their health status is, and the opportunity to take care of both their mind and their bodies. Uh, and so that's been phenomenal. The the other thing that's been really refreshing is just how excited our uh, combined employees are. We had our first uh, joint town hall meeting. It was virtual, just like this, uh, on Friday. And we had over 2,200 people from all around the world uh, tune in for it. And the the excitement level, the common mission, the common culture, the, you know, we have a running chat that goes along the side and people can put in their comments and everybody's just incredibly excited to now get going, right? There's, there was the, the time between announce and close and now everybody's ready to, to realize the, the combined vision. And, and, you know, part of that is just, is reinforced by how strongly our clients have gotten behind it. And part of it's about achieving a common mission that both companies were really set out to, uh, to do. We had an in-house band that capped off the town hall. Just try to spice it up, mix it up, make it fun. Um, so it's just, it's just good, good town hall. Good, good, good to know. Uh, then uh, just focusing on the core uh, sellings, uh, core business selling season, you guys gave some updates, uh, some good positive updates on, on the earnings call. Uh, anything more or incremental to report there? It seems the pipeline looks pretty good. Uh, and is Livango deal announcement having any impact on, you know, willingness of employers and health plans to work with Teladoc in any way, or is it still too early for you to see any impact there? Well, you've already seen a couple of successful cross sales, right? So Guidewell, the parent of Florida Blue, uh, the first one, and obviously a very large uh, opportunity and a large client for us. So we're really excited to see that one come through. And then we announced just, you know, the, literally the day of our quarterly announcement, uh, we got notified about a successful sale to a very large Teladoc employer client of 
the uh, Livongo Diet for Diabetes uh, program. And so, you know, that was an example of a client who they weren't even in discussions with Livongo prior to us announcing the transit, uh, the transaction. And so I think that speaks to the velocity of impact uh, and how quickly that makes sense for employer clients, health plans, uh, as well as I'm getting really positive reaction from hospitals and health systems who are looking to be able to take advantage of the Livongo capabilities for their own patient populations. With respect to the pipeline and the bookings, uh, year-to-date through the end of the third quarter, we were up about 35% versus the prior year, uh, and we also said that we expect to see the fourth quarter uh, bookings be roughly double, maybe even more, uh, than what the third quarter bookings were. So um, that's all very, very positive. We continue to see the trend of multi-products bookings uh, continue, where this year about two-thirds of our uh, our bookings are multi-product bookings, and that's up from about 50% the year before. And I think that will just continue to increase as, uh, as we add the Livongo capabilities into the overall combined product portfolio. You know, it makes sense, and, and the feedback that we're getting from our clients is – that they want that full sort of full solution uh, from one partner as opposed to having having to go shopping for, you know, multiple point solutions that are disjointed, not integrated. Uh, and I think that's, you know, the the portfolio that we now have and the, the full solution is unmatched in the marketplace. So I feel really good about how the, the final, you know, couple of months of the selling season are shaping up, and that really launches us in well for 2021. Great. Maybe uh, if you can take a step back and um, you can, can you remind us the total addressable market you guys see in your business and how has that changed with the Livango acquisition? Yeah, so we estimate the uh, the U.S. addressable market uh, at about $121 billion, which includes about $47 billion uh, of, of TAM relative to the Livongo uh, diabetes and hypertension programs. Uh, and, you know, that's just that's just the U.S., right? So as a global company, uh, that's only a portion of the, the global opportunity. And, and I think it really speaks to the breadth of our offering. You know, with each additional capability that we offer, with each additional clinical program, it expands the TAM, uh, and it expands the impact we can have on the healthcare system and the cost of care for our clients. And and so we increase our opportunity, but we also increase the impact that we can have and the value that we bring uh, for our clients. Now, the other thing I would add, Jalen, to what Jason said, is if you think about just mental health alone, and we have talked about it often enough, um, not just in the U.S., but globally, the opportunity is virtually infinite, right? It is, and we are seeing that, uh, in the anxiety that our consumers have through the pandemic and the robustness of the demand. So I would say the opportunity is vast. Fair point. So when we think about the synergy targets you have laid out uh, with Livango, uh, uh, so I know this is a five-year target you have uh, talked about, half a billion uh, dollar uh, synergy there, but in terms of first series of cross sales. Is there any particular channel you expect that uh, synergies to start coming through? Is it like direct to employer contracts or is it through health plans? Give us a flavor of like where the synergies will be the first to, you know, uh, come through. 
Yeah, so why don't I start, and then Molly, you can dig a little deeper into the synergies. I think from a market perspective, we really see all of the above. We see health plans, uh, large employers, even small employers, uh, as opportunities for cross-sell, but it doesn't stop there. Um, you know, as I mentioned, the hospitals and health systems I'm talking to are really interested in taking advantage of the technology and the data science underpinning the Livongo capabilities and that's a market that, um, you know, the Livongo team hadn't yet penetrated. They had sold to some hospital systems just for their own employees, and, and the hospital saw the, the value of that. But then when you combine that set of capabilities with the InTouch platform uh, and give the ability for the data to feed, uh, you know, sort of health nudges, both digital health nudges as well as, um, provide insights for the hospital's physicians, and, and then you combine that with the InTouch platform's ability to reach out to the consumer uh, in the comfort of their own home. That's a really killer combination. And, and I think that uh, what I'm hearing from hospital executives is they want to be able to bring that in-house because more and more they're being moved into value-based reimbursement. And so value-based reimbursement means they have to most efficiently and effectively deliver care to the consumer. So we see all of those channels and then, of course, the international markets uh, as uh, significant opportunities. Lavongo had started to think about international expansion but hadn't really taken those steps. And with our distribution channels uh, in the international markets, we're really excited about the opportunity, not only with our existing clients, but also to work into some of the nationalized healthcare systems. Okay, that's fair. I actually want to go back to your, again, uh, core Teladoc standalone uh, business. Uh, you guys had great uh, you know, membership ads this year, as well as pretty, uh, decent utilization trends. I mean, membership ads, I mean, you, your guidance already assumes some of the temporary uh, members rolling off, so that shouldn't be a big deal. But on the utilization trend, that's uh, maybe you can spend some time on that. But uh, the one concern I've got over the past two or three days is, like, now vaccine, some positive development, which is good for everyone, great uh, data point. But there are concerns that, okay, that will have negative impact on your utilization trend. Help us understand that, that why you think that uh, uh, it's, not going to be okay to uh, spend some time on that. Well, let me start by saying, you know, we very early uh, sort of leaned in based on the data that we were seeing and gave uh, an outlook of 30 to 40 percent growth in 21. And we're not, we weren't naive to the fact that there was going to be a, a vaccine, right? So um, we expected a vaccine. Uh, everybody's been working on it, and obviously we stay close to those developments as well as the rest of the healthcare system. Um, I think some of the underlying data in our existing utilization is really positive for us over the long term. You know, you look at the growth of our specialty visits, both mental health as well as dermatology, um, that's not related to uh, the coronavirus or the pandemic. That's going to be a systemic and continued uh, increase and shift to virtual care because they're just better solutions, right? They're better solutions that are more accessible and deliver more value to the consumer. I think when you look at the increase, the significant increase in visits for non-infectious diseases, right, things like hypertension, lower back pain, anxiety, depression, um, that now represents 55% of our visits because, 
you know, shelter in place and the use of PPE doesn't just prevent the spread of COVID. It also prevents the spread of flu and uh, colds and strep throat. And, you know, in a normal season, we would be seeing a significant uptick in those visits. Well, you know, now non-infectious disease represents about 55% of our visits, whereas in a normal season, it was 35% uh, of our visits, right? So that's another sort of secular trend that we expect to continue into the future. Now, if you layer on the fact that next year we would expect to have a more regular cold and flu season as people go back to work, go back to interacting, go back to bars and restaurants, um, that will just be another sort of tailwind versus the current comparable, which is a very depressed uh, cold and flu season. Good for people, you know, bad for our volume uh, of infectious diseases, and I would expect that to sort of return to normal next year. So I think when you look at across all of those things, and maybe the last thing is, you know, we've talked a lot about the strength of our mental health business. You know, mental health tends to be repeat utilization, right? It's a series of visits. It's not a single episodic one and done. And so that just is another sort of feeding of the flywheel, where this year we saw 80% increase in new registrants. We saw a preponderance of our, our visits from new users. And we know that with a six, mid-60s and net promoter score, people come back once they use it a first time. So... So I, I don't think that this is going to um, be a COVID phenomenon. I think the pandemic certainly accelerated the market by probably four or five years, but this will continue into the future. And, Linda, I'd also add a few things. One is, as we talked about in the last couple of earnings releases, um, you know, when you look at the trends in the weeks in the quarter, right, we've looked at weeks that are more stable vis-a-vis COVID, and we continue to see pretty strong visit demand relative to our pre-COVID level. Um, the second thing I'd say is we invest in the flywheel, right? We've talked about how we intend to continue to invest advertising and marketing, be keeping pace with revenue growth. So I would say, you know, we are continuously priming the pump, if you will, to engage with our customers such that we can, you know, help that utilization. The third thing is, remember, we've always talked about the fact that as we onboard more members onto our platform, the utilization actually expands over time. There is a ramp effect to that. And given the very significant increase in membership we've had this year, you should actually expect to see the utilization and the visit usage, you know, bear fruit down the road. So, there are some very important fundamentals behind why we are so confident about the utilization and our visit momentum well beyond COVID. That's a fair point. And at this point, I'll remind everyone, if you have any questions, please email them to me at jalendra.sync at grade-suites.com. I've got one email question. Let me read this to you, uh, Jason and Mara. Uh, so visit fee only revenue and visits were down year over year in third quarter, which is surprising given the favorable telehealth reimbursement dynamics. Why might that be? And could you comment on telehealth reimbursement and copay dynamics moving forward? Molly, you want to take that or you want me to? So um, here's what I would say on the visit fee only dynamics. First of all, what's most important to remember is the total amount of visit revenue matters. And as you can see, both in terms of 
the visit revenue growth, as well as if you look at the various types of visits that have grown, um, you know, the, the numbers are proof points itself, right? So we are seeing tremendous strength overall in visit revenue. Uh, and what's really driving that tremendous strength, if you will, in visit revenue is the fact, the dynamics we have talked about before. Not only is there broad consumer acceptance um, that we are seeing tremendously strong NPS and, uh, and satisfaction scores that we are seeing broad momentum in specialty visits is something that we are seeing in our numbers. Uh, and so what I would say is I'd encourage you all to focus really more on the overall visit revenue and the growth that we are seeing, uh, because at the end of the day, that is really what fuels our revenue scaling um, and, and, you know, translates straight down to our adjusted EBITDA margin progression. That's a fair point. I'll take the next one here. Uh, what percentage of the current 2.8 million visits per quarter in the U.S. need a referral to offline specialists that are out of Teladoc's doctor network? And how does the referral economics work for Teladoc for the moment? Yeah, so actually a, a shockingly small number uh, need to be referred out at this point. Um, we see uh, over 90% of our users uh, have their needs met by their teledoc visit uh, and and don't need a referral anyway anywhere. Um, the last data I saw was only about six percent need to be referred. Um, you know, frequently if we're referring, we're referring into uh, an urgent care center or uh, an emergency room because they really need to be seen uh, in a more urgent setting. Uh, where someone can, you know, suture a laceration or set a broken bone or, or, you know, we do have situations where we identify someone who's in the early stages of a stroke or uh, early stages uh, of, a, of a heart attack. And, and so we're happy to be able to intervene and bring the right authorities, even dispatch uh, an ambulance for the, for the consumer in the event that they need it. Um, I think one of the things that's important to understand is we don't get paid to refer to anyone. We're not incented to refer to any specific provider, right? I think that provides – I think that is, is a clarity of mission for us, right? We want to make sure we're doing the best thing for the consumer and the best thing for our paying client, which is usually a health plan or, uh, or, or an employer, and we're not beholden to any given health system who's paying us for a referral. I think that's really important because it's, it enables us to, to have sort of purity of, uh, of mission and focus on the best clinical care. The only time where we do, uh, you know, work with a provider is when they're our client, right? So in the event that we stand up a private labeled telehealth solution for one of our providers, like we just announced Johns Hopkins, for example, right? And so in the event that Hopkins would, were to ask us to use some of our physicians to supplement their own workforce and that person needed to be referred, we would obviously refer them into uh, a Hopkins facility or a Hopkins provider, you know, because that's a white-labeled Hopkins-branded service. That's great. Other, uh, one of the other bright spots in the quarter, last quarter, was uh, strong pricing trends. Uh, can you discuss the drivers there, um, and how should we think about the long-term pricing increases going forward, and what are the key drivers there as well? Yeah, you know, when you think about, when you talk about pricing, I'm assuming we're referencing PMPM, 
Um, what I would say is if you think about our pricing trends, number one, remember when we were talking last year about the onboarding of large health population, large populations onto a platform, you know, we were always talking about as the anniversary out, you should be able to get out of the artificial depression, if you will, and start seeing the expansion. Well, you are seeing it now in what, as we promised, you are seeing that in our numbers. The second thing I would say is, again, going back to specialty, and as we look at the strength in our multi-product bookings, that translates into specialty visits, and that has a positive impact on our uh, pricing. And I would say the last is, you know, as we have talked about uh, the strong uh, momentum in visits and in some of our visits included uh, contracts, you know, there is a natural escalating and re-rating mechanism that we have also talked about. So if you combine all of this, Jalendra, it is not surprising at all that you're seeing the pricing capability that we are seeing. And, you know, talking about the long term, here's what I would say. Whether it comes, uh, whether it is about the access revenue or whether it is about visits revenue, what we have been able to demonstrate in our results is the fact that we are actually able to price pretty nimbly and dynamically. Um, you know, we have different types of pricing models, um, and we continue to look at ways that we can price um, frankly, for a combination of things, what is the value we bring to a customer uh, or the consumer, and what is our cost structure, right? So we have to be realistic and pragmatic about both, and that is what informs our overall pricing architecture. So I would expect us to continue to focus on pricing as we think about our gross margins and manage that. All right, here's one more email question. Given the strong momentum in better help, could you try to get a sense from them on how big this has become as a percentage of visits or in terms of revenue? Is better help an EBITDA contributor right now? Uh, do you plans to do, you, do they have plans to introduce chat-based behavioral health into their B2B product? Yeah, so I'll take that. Um, the better help business has been growing uh, at, at a really, really strong rate. We don't break it out, so um, I won't get uh, too specific. What we've said previously, way back in the beginning of March, uh, the last sort of large in-person meeting uh, I can remember being at, uh, which was our investor day, uh, we said that um, it was over $100 million, uh last year. Uh, and we expected it to grow over 50% this year. Um, we've absolutely delivered on that, uh, and and the the growth continues to be very strong. I think one of the the key points there is that our um, marketing spend, our customer has continued to get more efficient. So we continue to get greater yield out of every dollar we spend on customer acquisition. And so our customer acquisition uh, versus revenue ratio has continued to get significantly more favorable. And as a result, it is, uh, you know, a contributor to our adjusted EBITDA. Uh, it's been a contributor to our sort of overperformance there. Uh, and uh, and we're really happy about that. That's a business that, you know, scale really matters, uh, and we're seeing the, the benefits of scale in that part of the business, just like the rest of our business. Right. His next one, I'm sure you, Jason, would love to talk about this. Uh, how would Teladoc look like in three to five years from now? Will you look at more acquisition in the future, or do you think uh, you are pretty much covered for, like, three, four, five years with Levango? 
I think the, the exciting thing to talk about is what role will we play, right? And what will the consumer experience be? Because I think if you, if you really sort of get into what's the possibility for virtual primary care and reimagining the care experience, and you think about all of our both technology, digital data, and human clinical expertise, and capabilities, the opportunity is really to be the front door to the healthcare system for the consumer and be able to sort of meet them where they are for all clinical needs across the board. Will that mean clinical expansion? Sure, absolutely. We'll continue to expand uh, the the clinical um, services that we offer. Uh, you know, you probably saw that Livongo announced a partnership with Fresenius. So there's a good example of leaning into uh, chronic kidney disease, and I think that's a, a, a natural next step when you think about cardiometabolic uh, conditions and the opportunity to have an impact there. Um, you know, you'll undoubtedly see us, you know, do the same kinds of things with CHF. Um, and then there's certainly opportunity to expand outside of that, whether it's musculoskeletal or uh, or other conditions. And it all works very well when you think about the full scope of our services, including the expert second opinion services and our 50,000 experts in 400 and different, 50 different specialties that we rely on for that. So we can go all the way from, you know, an expert second opinion where we're collecting the information and providing real deep insight into the best, the diagnosis and the best care plan all the way through taking care of someone with a chronic condition on a longitudinal basis. Um, and delivering the mental health care for them. You know, if you think about the um, impact of mental health challenges of just anxiety and depression, that, that narrow scope uh, of conditions, and the impact that has on someone with hypertension or with diabetes, it, it's very significant, right? Because those things, those conditions drive behaviors that are risk factors for diabetes uh, and hypertension. Things like binge eating or difficulty sleeping or lack of motivation to exercise. Those are all risk factors that exacerbate hypertension uh, and diabetes. And so the opportunity to take care of the entire person, mind and body, is, is really substantial. Will we, will, will we do more acquisitions? You know, we always look at build, buy, and partner strategically to determine where the most efficient and effective way for us to keep expanding is and do it in a way that, that meets the market demands rapidly. Yeah, the, what I would also add to that is, um, you know, one of the synergy sources um, that we've talked about is cross-referral. And we've talked about how in order to drive that, we really have to integrate the data that we both have, right? We do, we extract data from the 10 million or so visits that we do per year. You know, Lavongo has over 750 million data points that they have been able to aggregate. And so if you think about Jalendra, it is not only the fact that as we bring these two companies and the data together, and which allows us to effectively refer and cross-refer, it's about integrating all of those clinical offerings and the products and services that I think makes us truly, truly differentiated and unique. So when we think about either build by partner for the next condition or the next service offering, it is the integration of that into our full suite that I think is as important as what is that next condition, because that will what that is what will differentiate us. That's a fair point. 
I feel like with Livango transaction and your other deal sometimes gets a, a less focus in discussion in touch health and I was very excited about that transaction as well. Uh, when you think about it now, in touch health, Teladoc, Livango combination and actually just to share with you, uh, we had a telehealth expert, telehealth director panel yesterday where guys from Geisinger, SSM Health and uh, um, there was one more health system, we did a chat and they talked about how I mean, they actually talked about InTouch Health and Livango combination. So help us understand the company's positioning in the provider marketplace with these two transactions, like how well are you placed and what are the opportunities there? Yeah, you're exactly right. I think I think people have quickly forgotten how uh, strategic the InTouch acquisition is. And, and, you know, to be able to bring the number one class-rated telemedicine technology provider for hospitals into our fold and deliver that combined with our physician workforce and now the Livongo chronic care management and, and data science is a really, really powerful uh, combination. And, and I think that's what has enabled us to, you know, to win the Hopkins uh, business and, and continue to expand our footprint there. That business is growing very, very well. Um, and I think we're just still scratching the surface. Our average deal size is increasing. Uh, the usage, as we said uh, on the last quarterly call, through the first quarters, for the for, through the first the third quarter, we had delivered three million visits on our platform, sort of enabling those visits on behalf uh, of our clients in the hospital and health system market. And that's just going to increase, right? And so. I think the ability for us to um, make hospital in the home come to life for a provider is exactly the intersection of the Livongo and the InTouch technology uh, that that opens up those possibilities and maximizes the impact that the, that the hospital or health system can have. Okay, uh, I want to take this one email question quickly, which I just got in. How should we think about operating expense growth over the medium term? What are the key buckets within OPEX you still expect to grow? For example, are we approaching critical mass in total GNA or R&D cost? That's a great question. So, as you all know, um, you know, we have really very successfully demonstrated a track record of delivering OPEX leverage, right, whether it be on a cash basis, whether it be on, an, uh, on a gap basis. Um, and if you think about the nuances within the operating expense, I'd characterize it as follows. The first is, um, you know, we will continue to fuel marketing, as we just talked about, right? I do expect to continue to invest in marketing, keeping about a pace of revenue growth, um, whether it be, you know, through the combination of the DTC side as well as the B2B side. Um, we actually have gotten great selling expense productivity, as I would frankly expect to, as we have increased our average deal size, as Jason just talked about, you know, as we are selling more multi-product uh, uh, bookings, et cetera, um, I would expect to continue to see selling expense productivity um, and efficiency. GNA absolutely is an area of uh, opportunity for us, and, you know, the way we will get at it is through more automation. Right, whether more use of AI, more use of um, 
smarter technology to drive uh, productivity in GNA. And the last area and the very important area that Jason alluded to a little while ago is R&D, especially in the combination as we bring together us, HHS, and Lavongo. You know, I think investing in R&D uh, judiciously is absolutely the right way to go. So, um, you know, Jason talked about build by partner, and building will require investments uh, and R&D investments. And I'm actually quite excited by that. So, you know, we have um, still um, things to do in terms of building out our offering portfolio, um, integrating all of the data. All of that is work that is well underway as part of our overall integration playbook and map. Um, we are going about it in a very disciplined and structured way as we think about what is the vision of, for a totally integrated data strategy? What is the vision for a totally integrated product strategy, consumer experience? That will require R&D investment. Absolutely, it will. And we'll do it smartly and judiciously. And, you know, I will expect the right returns from it. That's a fair point. Just to wrap up, can you guys give any update on the rollout of your virtual family care product? I know you guys have talked about that, some pilots you've been working on. When can we expect a full rollout? Um, and how could the revenue model look like? Any early preview you can provide here? Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited and really pleased with the results of the pilot. Um, you know, I think some interesting learnings, uh, really diverse set of diagnoses, uh, over 70 diagnoses, um, many first diagnoses of things like hypertension, prehypertension, diabetes, pre-diabetes. I think 43% of the hypertension or prehypertension diagnoses were first-time diagnoses. So the opportunity for us to really make a difference and catch something early and then bring to bear those Livongo capabilities is really powerful. Um, a lot of overlap of mental health and, and physical health, where um, the virtual PCP, if you will, has referred into some of our behavioral health offerings uh, and, and gotten the consumer started on a course of therapy and maybe brought in a psychiatrist as well to assist with medication management. So there are really powerful results there. From a satisfaction perspective, a member satisfaction perspective, it's off the charts. I mean, literally over 90 net promoter score, which is almost unheard of anywhere. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing that's interesting is the um, – the, the diversity and the breadth of the demographics of the population who has leaned in and embraced this virtual primary care model, it, it, it is, it's, it's not the young invincibles, right? This is a, a very representative cross-section of the population. Uh, it tends to be a lot of people who didn't necessarily have a primary care relationship previously, which is roughly 50% of the population. Uh, so there's a tremendous addressable market there. And when you talk about the economics, the economic opportunity is massive. So I think it'll start with a higher PMPM uh, than we've gotten before, plus visit fees, and the visit fees will be a diverse set of, uh, of visit fees depending on what services we're bringing to bear for the consumer. Um, and I think over time it will morph to something that's a little more, you know, value-based reimbursement uh, where we get to share in the upside that we create and the savings that we create. 
uh, and, and ultimately potentially take population risk and or, you know, primary care capitation or something like that, because the breadth of services that we have now and will continue to build out can have a massive impact on a, on a broad swath uh, of the population. All right. This was a great conversation, but I guess we are out of time, so we will leave it there. Thanks a lot for participating at our conference, and have a nice uh, day. Yeah, Andrew, thank thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Mara. Take care.